0: Hello and welcome to The Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. If you have any questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to write to us through our website at thelatterrain.org. You can also find all of our written and audio messages archived there. If you wish to hear our English audio messages, they are available for free as podcasts or iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes store under Podcasts as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. God has always looked to have a personal and intimate love relationship with people. He is a personal God, a loving God, a being that is merciful and caring in every way, whether we understand it or not. And the way he has displayed his love to mankind through the ages is by looking to establish a relationship, a covenant, a two-way commitment. In the Old Testament, we read that his people made and broke their covenants with God, and things did not turn out well for them, not necessarily because God is a vengeful God but because there really isn't anything good outside of the Lord. Everything has consequence. Yet, despite people's unfaithfulness to Him, He now looks to establish a faith and graceful covenant with each of us through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Please stay with us for a few minutes as we look into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us take a moment to pray together and seek the Lord's direction. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you for your good and your mercy is everlasting. Thank you, O Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, for his sacrifice. Lord God, for what you did on the cross for us through him. Thank you, O Lord, for the forgiveness and salvation that we find through him, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that you may help us to understand, Lord God, your word, your ways, what your will is, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that you may speak through your word, through your Holy Spirit, in all of this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be reading today from Nehemiah, chapter 10, verse 38 to 39. This is the word of the Lord. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding. These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his ordinances with his statutes. We would not give our daughters as wives to the peoples of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. If the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we would forego the seventh years' produce and the exacting of every debt. Also, we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the regular grain offering, for the regular burnt offering of the Sabbaths, the new moons, and the set feasts, for the holy things, for the sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel, and all the work of the house of our God. We cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people, for bringing the wood offering into the house of our God, according to our father's houses, at the appointment times, year by year, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. And we made ordinances to bring first fruits of our ground, and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees, year by year, to the house of the Lord to bring the firstborn of our sons and our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the firstfruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil, to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities." And the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are. And we will not neglect the house of our God. In today's passage, we read of a covenant that the people of Israel made with the Lord to keep his commandments, to remain faithful to him. This covenant happened after God had allowed for his people to have been conquered and taken prisoner because they sinned greatly before him and for a prolonged period of time as a nation. God did not come to that decision of allowing for their enemies to come upon them lightly or quickly. Just like his word says that he was slow to anger, but his anger did come. For many years, God tried to reach out to his people, calling them to repentance and conversion. But instead of listening, they kept on falling into worse and worse things, following after other gods and doing terrible things because of their idol worship and paganism. They abused year after year God's mercy and grace. That is one of the mistakes some people make of how God behaved, if you will, during the Old Testament times. And they say that he was extremely judgmental and swift in anger. With regards to his people, he was extremely patient. He would send them prophets to admonish them, to help them understand what was wrong so they could change. But they would instead turn on the prophets and either imprison them or torture them or in many instances, kill them. And because God's patience ran out, he had handed him over to the Assyrians and then to the Babylonians. The Babylonians were the last to hold them captive. This passage takes place after the Babylonians had started giving them certain freedoms because God was having grace upon them again. God's anger had subsided after 70 years of captivity. And this is what we were reading today. The renewal of the people of Israel starting over again and laying a newer foundation with God through this covenant, bringing into the forefront all of the things that were necessary in their following of the Lord. Today, And through the grace of God, we have a similar covenant with the Lord. But this time, the gate has been made wide open by the Lord, where now his grace is in effect through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. But yet the purpose for the covenant remains as it always has been. God desiring to have a personal and intimate relationship with people. He has always been and is a very personal God and he looks to have a genuine relationship with us, and the basis of that relationship has never changed, which is love. He may have mentioned them as commandments, and he still does, but the basis, the foundation, the reason for the relationship has always been the same. Love is the foundation, his love for us, and his desire that we correspond to his love and love him back. It cannot be any simpler than that. What makes it so difficult is our desire to sin, because many would rather obey their sin nature than correspond to a God that has done everything for us, that we depend on him daily, whether we want to or not. And so let's begin by seeing what the basis for this covenant of faith and grace is that we have today through Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 and 19, Jesus tells us that he didn't really come to do away with what was written, but rather to fulfill the law. And he explains to us that there are things that we still need to do. This is what we read. Think not that I have come not to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. God desires for us to not only know them, but to do them, to do His Word, and to teach them to others as we come to practice it ourselves. And so, what is it that God wants for us to learn, to do, and to teach others? If we want the answer to this, then we need to go back to the foundation of how the relationship starts with the Lord. Jesus spoke to us about this when He explained it to Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, verse 1-7, to He tells us the following. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I have said to you, You must be born again. There are two things that Jesus mentions in this particular passage on how we are born again so that we can see and enter the kingdom of God, that we need to be born of the water and of the Holy Spirit. The first one refers to John's baptism's complete ministry, which is what prepared the way for Jesus to come not only to the world, but also prepares the way for him within our lives, the baptism of Repentance. This is the very first thing we need to do because when sin is what caused the separation with God to begin with, sin has broken our relationship with God. Sin is at the root of God's creation, breaking away from God. God did not go away from us. We broke away from him. And so he calls out to us to turn away from those things that caused the separation. Therefore, the very first thing that needs to occur is repentance, repentance repentance and conversion to be more exact to basically turn away from our sins to turn to the lord effectively and completely mark chapter 1 verse 1 to 5 tells us about this first step and how god used john the baptist for this first step which is still very much in effect today which says the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god as it is written in the prophets behold i send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the lands of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins." This repentance, this confessing of sins is the very first thing that needs to take place in every person that desires to have a relationship with God. We need to acknowledge our sin before God. We need to take responsibility. If we are honest, we know that we have willfully sinned. We can't tell a holy God that we have not done anything wrong. If we come to God, we need to come to Him correctly, without any pride, without any hardness of heart. We should not come with this attitude of, I'm sorry and find wrong only a few things in my life, but not all of them. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10, it says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so if we acknowledge the truth, our evil ways, and we turn away from them with all of our heart, we gain a wonderful thing. Forgiveness. This was something that was never possible before. Jesus Christ is what makes this possible. In times past, people were only able to cover their sin from the eyes of God through sacrifices. Those sacrifices were all done away with. When the Holy Lamb of God gave his life and shed his blood so that we could be forgiven, so that our sins could be effectively cleansed. So when we acknowledge the truth, we have everything to gain. But this repentance and conversion is not a one-time thing. It starts with this initial step, this beginning of complete repentance and conversion. But it should be something that is continually happening in our lives. Because even though we are forgiven, we will still sin. We're imperfect we will still commit mistakes. They should just become fewer and fewer as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives as we continue understanding all of the things that need to be changed. And so repentance and conversion starts the process of being born again in our lives. But it is also something that needs to be continual in our lives as well. Every day, all of the time. The second thing that Jesus spoke about was being born of the spirit. And that can only happen when we acknowledge him as a Lord of our lives, when we effectively make him the owner of our lives. And as mentioned before, this is essentially a very practical thing. How can we ever belong to the Lord if we don't literally give ourselves over to the Lord? And furthermore, if we were not able to get things right on our own because it's impossible, then the only way we will ever get things right is if we give him charge over our lives. He needs to be in control. Our ways didn't work. His ways work. In Romans chapter 10, verse 5 to 13, we're explained the following. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will ascend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, "Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame." For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so salvation comes through the faith and grace but by confessing the Lord Jesus and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead then and only then is the process of being born again complete it needs to be something genuine without a shadow of a doubt with a complete and unwavering faith romans chapter 3 verse 21 to 26 continues explaining this to us but now the righteousness of god apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so, this is how ultimately a person is born of the spirit because through this confession and faith then the holy spirit comes to live inside a person god enters a person's life into their heart to the center of their being John chapter 14, verse 26 tells us about what the Holy Spirit comes to do in our lives, which is what makes it possible for us to understand and be empowered to follow the Lord, to keep changing and being transformed, to keep what we need to keep so that we find and remain in the purpose of God that He has bestowed on our life because God has a definite purpose for everyone that comes to Him. This is what it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What is it that he, the Holy Spirit, will teach us? He will teach us God's word, all the things that God has said to us, and he will explain it in a very personal and intimate way, how it all applies to us so we can fulfill it. That is why it is so imperative for a follower of Jesus Christ to believe completely read, study, and apply the Word of God to their lives. And we read that it cannot be an intellectual pursuit, because intellect has really nothing to do with it. It has to do with applying the Word of God. Applying the Word of God to our lives is what causes our continual transformation. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27, explains this to us. Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The word of God washes us, cleans us, teaches us those things that we need to put into practice and on a daily basis. Why? Because God's purpose is to mold us and make us into a holy people, into a people where His power can be demonstrated so others can come to believe and follow Him. God's intention is to create a cycle of grace and salvation from one person to another and from one generation to the next so that as many people as possible have the opportunity to be saved. That's how we can see His love. The Bible teaches us this in John chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so God loved the world, not just some people. He wants for everyone to be saved. The Bible continues telling us in first Timothy chapter two, where it says, therefore, I exhort you first all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness with reverence. And for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So you see, God desires for everyone to be saved without exceptions. The only thing he cannot do is force people to follow him because as we stated before, he is after a love relationship. Love is never forced or imposed. That's why everything in the Bible is conditional. He can show us the way, he can tell us what we need to do, but he cannot force us to follow through. That is our decision, our choice. This is ultimately the covenant we have with Christ, a free and open one that is based on free will and love. And so entering into this grace-filled and faith-based covenant is your decision. Faith in Christ has no equal because it is based on the person of God who loves us and desires only the best for each and every one of us. And he has already taken the most important step by making eternal salvation available to everyone who desires it. He loved us to the point of surrendering His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, so that our sins could be paid, so that through His sacrifice we could have forgiveness of sins and a clear way into the eternity that God is reserved for those that love Him, for those that make the choice to return His love by repenting and converting from all of their sins and confessing and making Jesus the Lord of their lives and continually faithfully throughout the course of their life on those decisions. It's not just a one-time thing. It's an everyday, all-of-the-time kind of thing. And so it is written, Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loves his life for my sake will save it. I can tell you that it is not easy to follow Christ, because following Jesus goes against our very own sin nature, but He is the only way to salvation. He is our only way to the Father through eternal life. But even though it is not easy, who has shown you love like God has? Who has done for you what neither you nor anyone else could do for you? This is the difference between the faith that we preach and everything else in the world that god showed his love for us that he sent his son jesus christ to die for us on the cross thereby having his body broken for us and shedding all of his blood so that we could be forgiven and be saved i follow the lord jesus because he died for me he died for you also who else has done that for you let us pray lord god heavenly father I give you thanks and I praise you for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness, O Lord. Because, Heavenly Father, you only want what's good for us. You want for every person to be saved. That is your desire. And, Heavenly Father, not only to be saved, but to to have a purpose, a, a reason, a why, Lord God, that life is not just is what it is, Lord God that there's a reason and a purpose of why we exist and what why we need to do what we need to do, Lord God. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so much that you're always looking to have that personal, intimate, and genuine relationship with each one of us, Lord God. Thank you, O Lord, that despite the fact that you are so great and awesome and just incredible in any kind of way, Lord God, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that you're interested in having a personal and intimate relationship with us. Who are we, Lord God, that you might give us any kind of attention? But Lord, that is the incredible and amazing dimension of your love. Thank you again for your son, Jesus Christ, and what you did through him, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website. Our web address again is thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.